1: And we are back underway with another edition of The Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. I am the somewhat competent host of the program. I have to enlist great help, and I'm going to do that here in just a second uh, with a special guest from the ringer. Brian Curtis accepted my invitation to be here. Has he. Has he not been hearing the show? Is he not aware of what I do? He's, he accepted the invitation anyway. He's a great guy to do that. I'm looking forward to talking with him in all seriousness on a bunch of different subjects involving sports media, from the NBA All-Star Game uh, to March Madness that's upcoming, the disaster with Live Golf's television ratings, the the bootleg road. Of the Rogue League away from the PGA Tour. We're going to talk to Brian about all of those things here in a few moments. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for finding the Last Word on Sports Media podcast through our friends at LastWordOnSports.com. You can find out more by going to LastWordOnSports.com slash podcast, but find this podcast wherever you get them, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Last Word on Sports Media. I'm thrilled to be here and uh, go over the different things that are happening every week in sports media or as much as we can. Interview personalities, interview newsmakers, Ah, uh, guys that have great insight like Brian does. Uh, so again, find us, uh, rate, review, subscribe. We love all of those things. And by the way, by means of promotion, two other things: our buddy George Offman is on this podcast feed. Tell me a story I don't know. Is his podcast usually centered around Chicago sports media and Chicago sports? And with spring training underway, Joe Madden, the legendary now. World Series winning does this still go together it does the World Series winning Cubs manager Joe Madden is the guest with George Offman this week uh and again I have great affection for Joe Madden for his time with the Tampa Bay Rays but obviously the magnitude of the Cubs winning the World Series hear the whole story with Joe Madden and will Joe Madden end up in a broadcast booth I think he might very well end up in a broadcast booth hear George's podcast tell me a story I don't know that interview with George Madden with uh, John Madden is immediately. I mean, let me get it straight. George's interview with Joe Madden is immediately before this podcast. If I don't butcher it uh, anymore, you'll hear it right here on this feed. And then Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen with the announcer schedules podcast. They do a tremendous job on everybody that calls the game uh, radio TV, especially at the national level. Do a great job uh, analyzing who did it. Well, the broadcasts, the broadcasters. The announcer schedules podcast also on this feed as well. All promotion now out of the way. Well, let's promote this guy as well. From the Press Box podcast on The Ringer. Hello, Brian Curtis. Good to have you on The Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Thank you for accepting the invite. I'm thrilled to get to talk to you. How are things? Things are great. I'm going to go for competent and uh, we'll see (laughs) how far we get. I I always use somewhat competent, somewhat lucid, somewhat on all these things for me. We'll try to be competent on this. Uh, listen, I uh, I don't mind saying I enjoy what you do on the Press Box podcast. I listen. Uh, I, you and I stay engaged. We commiserate from time to time. So I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, so let's, let's dive right in with some different subjects. Uh, the first one, I've not been able to bounce this off a distinguished guest like yourself. The NBA ratings uh, for the All-Star Game came in and uh, not good. Not good is a polite way to put it. Continues to plummet. So give me some analysis here. Uh, what's fixable? Is this the new reality for what there is for all-star games? The Pro Bowl has now done away with the game. Are we headed, as I have theorized, with the these kind of ratings numbers, are we heading to the end of the NBA all-star basketball game as we know it? What are your thoughts to open us up?
2: Yeah, are we going to get a reimagining? I think that's the magic word they used in the NFL with the Pro Bowl, where we just say, look – we don't want a pretend game of basketball where some of the players show up and the players that do show up don't play basketball as we know it. you know, I like to think these ratings are a sign. I think it's always a little bit dangerous to read too much into television ratings because you can find whatever story you want in there. But I would like to think these are a sign that people have watched this long enough and said, I don't like this. This is not a fun product, despite the fact that, the best basketball players in the world are all on the same court at the same time this is not fun to watch so yeah I'm I'm all for reimagining you know they tried a horse like a decade ago but it wasn't quite you know LeBron KD Luca everybody right. on the court style horse I mean to me if you had like mega horse I could get behind it but it, it cannot be this anymore I I just hit absolutely no interest in watching that and you know to the to the extent that i did it was through clips you know mac mcclung winning the duck contest
1: Mm. and see i am somebody i should have prefaced it better i was hardcore nba much earlier in my life i'm becoming an old man brian you look like you're a contemporary of mine uh i am i am unabashedly saying i'm now in my 50s but so earlier In the 80s, the 90s, when I grew up, this was must-see to watch the All-Star game because you only got Bird and Magic like two times on the court um, in the regular season before they maybe met in the finals. But you got them on the court for the All-Star game. Um, And I understand there wasn't phenomenal defense that was always being played in these games, but at least in the fourth quarter, they would bear down and play the game, and they tried to do some of that here. But anyway, I'm coming at it from the angle of I used to be a fan of this. I am now what you just said, which is – I don't have any interest in watching this. And obviously I am being joined by millions who maybe did used to watch who aren't watching. And that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, it's staggering. Is it incumbent right now on the premier players to get with Adam silver and the league and say, how do we make it better? I'm talking about the the most prominent guys like Steph and Giannis and the LeBron James, all the prominent guys. I'm going to leave somebody out they've got to figure this out otherwise we're headed to the league having like almost no choice but to do something uh to the game i don't know that's my thought what is your thought on that point i agree and i think
2: the thing they need to bear down on is what is the thing we can do that everybody can compete to win what what is the thing that's going to get us all interested because there are lots of good arguments why we shouldn't be playing a you know, 60 of a, a full court, 48 minute basketball game because somebody could get hurt, right? Or somebody could, mm. you know, make an injury worse. That, there are good arguments for that. So let's find the thing that we can do that we will all show up and want to win, right? That's what you and I miss about old all-star games in all sports is that idea that everybody's going to show up and try to play hard. So what what is that going to be? And you're right. It should be a conversation between those guys and, and the commission.
1: And by the way, I'm here in the Tampa Bay area where the Tampa Bay Lightning are very prominent, obviously, with all the hockey. I'm a hockey guy as well. I'm not into everything. I'm probably psycho for that reason. But the NHL All-Star Game is, is almost impossible to watch. First of all, they've divvied it up into stages and again, when you're having 13, 12, 13 goals scored by a team in an All-Star game, that's not hockey. That's the equivalent of like 70 to 65 in a football game. That is the the equivalent of 180 to 170 in an NBA All-Star game. It's not the sport. It's not the same thing. The only one that has remained true is baseball. You know this, Brian. Because the pitchers are trying to get people out. They're trying to strike people out. The defense is good. The scoring is kept down. It's more of a game than what these others have become. All right, so I think we flogged that pretty well. Okay, I rely on inside of people like you to help me with this. We keep hearing about Warner Discovery. That is the new, if I have it correct, uh, the new parent company above Turner, that they're maybe interested, they're maybe not interested in renewing with the NBA. What do you know? What do you think? What do you believe? Is Turner really, after a 25 plus year relationship, maybe going to be out of televising the NBA nationally because the parent company doesn't want it?
2: There's a quote that David Zaslov had last year where he said, We don't have to have the NBA. It's probably the most single most quoted thing you will read about this negotiation. And to me, it's always been doing a lot of work because is it really a reflection of the Turner? And as you said, Warner Brothers Discovery is out on the NBA or is it a negotiating tactic? That's always been the question. I look at it like this. Every time we have a rights negotiation these days, we had it with the NFL a few years ago. It is not just does your channel want the sport? The question is, will your channel exist if it does not have the sports rights? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of where we are with TNT there. They do have baseball and hockey, but if they don't have the NBA, what is it? Right. right. What What is it? We know it's not scripted programming anymore. We know so many of the things that people like you and me used to go to those kind of channels to watch are available everywhere else. So and without as many commercials. So you're just thinking like, what, what are you going to do? And then that to me at the end of the day is the thing that maybe gets them to the table to, re- to try to renew. Interesting. We don't have a channel really if we don't have our most popular program.
1: Are you saying reruns of The Closer with Kira Sedgwick and Saturday (laughs) movies like A Few Good Men are not going to carry the day anymore?
2: A few good men with tons of commercials,
1: my idea of a great time. There's try. nothing There's nothing like a Saturday afternoon where a few good men is on during two complete college basketball games, by the way, <laughs> over the course of four hours before we can get to, did you order the code red? Uh, love this. Love this from Brian Curtis, again, from The Ringer and the Press Box podcast covering sports media, out twice a week. Love his insight do you believe that NBC we've talked about this before here previous incarnation John Lewis and I talked about this uh before on the podcast that NBC would maybe want back in but NBC would have to have a large chunk of it because remember for everybody Brian knows this when NBC got in in the early 90s they were the exclusive home of the NBA finals they had the all-star game the national television game on the weekend That was theirs and only theirs. What do you believe about NBC and whether they're willing to play nice with somebody else like ESPN or whomever and split it up a little bit? What do you, what do you think on that?
2: I kind of believe it when I see it. And partly because their sports strategy over the last several decades has been to be happy with Sunday night football, the Olympics and Notre Dame, right? That's, that's been it. Now, could you get a piece of it like they got with the big 10 where you have some NBA game of the week and you get round ball rock going and, you know, hit the nostalgia vibes for uh, veteran media watchers like you and I, Mm -hmm. okay. Can we get Costas back in the studio, Pat Riley? I mean, let's do it. But, um, you know, to me, it feels like they are dipping their toe in the water. They're seeing if there's something there. I'd kind of be surprised if they have a big chunk of it, but could I believe a game of the week? Big 10 style? Sure.
1: Maybe let's see if NBC gets back in. And obviously they've done a deal with the big 10, as Brian knows, and the audience knows, if you follow sports media here, so they're in big on the big 10 now for football and basketball as well. Um, And, and with NASCAR as well, again, in their deal, they get the back half of the season, the postseason. that's always kind of been their model. For NBC. All right. And also with golf, it goes along the same way. Although golf is now splitting up the FedEx Cup and the playoffs, but NBC for so many years had the back end of the season, including the playoffs. So speaking of golf, the breakaway or rogue live golf series, which I'm intrigued by. I'm intrigued by the names. I'm a golf guy again. All right. So this is year two and live golf debuted last week and they got Slightly better ratings than those old Jack Lelane infomercials would get back in the 90s. Oh, I'm making a 90s reference. Uh that were on, or maybe some of the uh the Turner movies that are on the weekends on TBS and TNT. It was not good. Do I see national 0. 0.2 rating on the CW network? All right. What's your take? They're they're trying to build this, they're trying to grow this, they're trying to get on TV. And it's obvious to say after this first event, nobody really watched on the CW network.
2: I have DirecTV still, uh, and that's sort of a vestige of me having the Sunday ticket, which I'm going to probably deal with here pretty soon. (laughs) I don't think I know where I would find the CW on my DirecTV dial. I really don't. So I think even for somebody who is allegedly uh, a watcher of this space, That's a pretty big lift to try to go find that. I also think the team concept of live golf beyond all the other moral issues we could raise about live golf is very, very strange. And I think sort of off putting to the kind of people they want to attract golf audience, right. tends to be sort of older. Um, So, you know, again, how much do we read into that? Right. It's the first time they've actually been on television. Um, It's on a, pretty obscure channel um is there's obviously room to build there but i just don't know you know i don't you know they were opposite again one of the lowest wattage pga events on the calendar the honda classic so again will you find will you get people to go over there and watch very good golfers right you know on a weekly basis or a couple times a year i just don't know
1: uh, interesting uh, again for them with the team concept. They are they are paying out huge money in the team chase, and you know this. In addition to the individual huge payouts, I mean Charles Howell the third, Chucky Three Sticks, uh, three. great for him. He made four million dollars to win that event. Chucky Three Sticks, I mean this is legit. Hadn't made a, a four million in a decade playing on the PGA Tour, uh, not in this decade. Not in the last 10 years, uh, but anyway, the the bigger names, the Dustin Johnson's, Cam Smith, who won the Players Championship and the Open Championship last year, that'll be interesting. It will be further interesting when they're allowed the Live Golfers to play with the PGA Tour guys in the Masters, in the upcoming PGA Championship. It's not quite WWE pay-per-view, but that will still be compelling, and maybe that will bump Live Golf a little more as it cranks up with its schedule. Maybe a theory on that? Yeah, maybe. You know, and I think also just, can you get can you sort of ingrain it in people's minds that this
2: is happening? I mean, I still think that's a pretty big lift for live, not to pun here, but I think <laughs> just saying, like, there is this thing on. It involves lots of great golfers. It's on the CW. Go find it. You Know there, there are mountains to climb there, but yeah, maybe, maybe some down the field. And again,
1: the CW, uh, primarily uh, known for its nighttime dramas geared towards females. Not, not, I mean, we're not revealing a nuclear secret, and they don't have any previously Saturday afternoon programming, so you're suddenly just slapping this, pasting it on, and saying, hopefully, somebody will watch. Uh, Okay, so uh, we'll see uh, whether that begins to grow and what happens there and how long it sustains. It's certainly a lot of money for the guys that went and cashed in. But it's just like anything else. Competition is always a good thing. Uh, I mean, one of, one of the things that this is important to point out, and, and Brian, I, I remember living this because I'm here in Tampa Bay, and when I got to the Tampa St. Pete market in 1983, the USFL was just starting up. And the USFL is what, that competition is what eventually, eventually led to free agency in the National Football League. When that league existed, it was the first time that the premier players in college, let us not forget, kids, Herschel Walker, Doug Flutie, and Mike Rogier, the Heisman Trophy winner, three years in a row, went to the United States Football League instead of the NFL. When that began to happen, it eventually created free agency in the NFL and all this craziness that's now gone on for the last 20 years. So in terms of this alternate series and the pay scale, it's increased the prize money not only on Live, but hello, the PGA Tour is now having these elevated events, like what the Bay Hill Classic is uh, this weekend, the Bay Hill Invitational Arnold Palmer's Tournament where there's roughly three times the prize money now because of live golf. The PGA tour players should be thankful that are playing in those events because the tour came off a bunch of money to put it back in, which is what those guys wanted. Anyway, a quick thought on how, uh, you know, key moments uh, of a rogue league like this or a rogue league like the USFL can end up benefiting players in the big league, the PGA tour or the NFL with free agency. In all kinds
2: of ways. I mean, just first of all, introducing an urgency into PGA events. We've seen this plan for this Tiger Woods. Don't totally know if I understand it. If it's holy moly or or what kind of made for TV event it is, but that kind of thing is fun, right? That kind of thing is interesting. You mentioned the prize money. I'd also say television uh, is going to have lots of time. You know, there are ways that rogue leagues influence how we see events. So the XFL and the USFL and all these various shots at spring football have brought things to NFL broadcasts that are pretty cool. Right. You know, we saw, I can't remember which version of this it was when you're interviewing players on the sidelines quarterback, just through an interception. Mm-hmm. Let me go talk to him. I love that. Right. If we could, you know, I don't sure they can get the NFL to agree to that, but those are the kinds of interesting ways. Sure. That we can get the major league, the big league to innovate.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I, I remember, uh, I think it was the Alliance of American football, the short-lived AAF. Uh, that did not finish its first season, but they had the uh, the two way hook up the microphone with the replay official. And that was yes. fascinating for us to get the insight on. This is what the replay official is looking at. This is what the replay official is saying to the referee about what that person's looking at. I thought that was a fascinating innovation. So, again, the NFL may start to adopt some of these. And again, one more on live. They're trying to go somewhat younger. That's part of what they were trying to do, I think, with the CW. Grow the game, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, they're playing loud music. They were at Mayakoba on certain holes with loud, constant music, not sudden burst of, a you know, like an air horn. But they got music. They've got the festive atmosphere with a party-type thing going on in the younger crowd. I don't know. We'll We'll see. But it's out there as competition, and it will be interesting when – uh, they they match up with some of the tour golfers at the major championships. I love Brian Curtis's insight. He's with me for a few more moments. It's the last word on sports media podcast. And again, you find Brian on the ringer ringer.com and uh, the ringers podcast for sports media is the press box. They're out twice a week with that. Hey, uh, never, never a wrong time to talk about college football. And in in particular, in the off season, talking season, Steve Spray always called it talking. season. this is talking season. It's oh, talking wow. season right now in college football. Uh, his rival, his arch enemy, Florida state's doing some talking and Clemson is quietly doing some talking right now that they're both unhappy with the long-term commitment to the ACC television deal and the ACC network from ESPN. What do you make of this? Is this just grumblings? Uh, or is there some legitimate problems headed here where the, where the top schools like these two in the ACC are saying, Hey, if an SEC and a Big 10 school is making 25 or 30 million dollars more a year than us, that's a real problem. We got to either reopen this deal or you got to let us have the freedom to go do something somewhere else. What do you make of that situation, Brian?
2: 30 million more than us and we're locked into this deal until 2036. It's, you know, the only way I can ponder the year 2036 <laughs> through TV rights deals in college football. I mean, whoa um i'm a university of texas guy okay i feel i have some insight on this because the noises that fsu and clemson are making are the same noises that texas and oklahoma were making the difference was is that texas and oklahoma had a much shorter television deal to try to wrangle their way out of and still wound up paying tons of money what was the number we saw the other day for fsu 120 million dollars to leave the ACC mm. and even then their grant of, that doesn't get them out of the grant of rights, right? The grant of their TV rights, right? They cannot then just go make money on television. They've already signed that away. So, you know, this feels like saber rattling. It feels like there's a mini step here where the ACC caves to these guys and gives them a little more of the share, right? Conference money is split evenly between football between all the teams, but you know, what have you and I learned about college football is that everything is negotiable, that things happen that we would never have expected to happen a couple of years ago, including USC and UCLA out here, yep. becoming Big 10 teams. So I guess it's in the realm of possibility though. I just do not see a monetary way. They buy their way out of that conference at this point. I mean, I know they'd love to be in the sec who would not love to be in the sec at this point, money wise, but how do you get Past 120 million dollars and then the hundreds of millions of dollars you'll be throwing away in your they don't have
1: it that's a simple answer they don't have it exactly what you're saying now the interesting thing in this whole incestual world is that losing the big 10 means even more prominently that espn is full throttle with the southeastern conference which they now have exclusively and as you just said it is no secret that florida state and clemson would crawl through the sahara would uh, would uh, walk over a quarter of a mile maybe not as far broken glass to get into the southeastern conference I because so, i mean that's that's regionally their wheelhouse right now and for football so how does espn just to, you know justify that and position it with we have a duke and a north carolina and the stalwarts of the acc that we have to be beholden to of virginia and others Uh, in addition to Florida State and Clemson, who only came into the conference in the last 20 or 30 years. Clemson's been there longer, but Florida State only in the last 20 or 30 years. I don't know, but a a take on that, on how ESPN's in bed with both, and ESPN has done deals for both. ESPN is the reason why uh, Boston College and Miami and Virginia Tech and Pitt and Syracuse, I'm going to leave somebody out, and Louisville and Notre Dame are all in the ACC. It's because ESPN placed them there.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, if you're ESPN, right, you need Clemson and Florida State for Saturday nights in the fall and you need all the other schools you mentioned right now, right? This is your time of year when you're getting tons of programming, you know, Monday programming, conference tournaments, that sort of thing. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, the, here's the thing about ESPN. They're dealing from a position of strength, aren't they? It's like CBS with that ridiculous SEC deal that they were that they have been bidding for there and will still have one more year on. Mm-hmm. Why would we tear this up? Exactly. We got the we got a great deal. We're going to have those huge schools that are going to be in the playoff. Well, at least Clemson's going to be in the playoff year after year on Saturday nights. We've got tons of college basketball. Why, why would we mess with this? Why would we solve your problem for you? And if you want to buy your way out and go to the other conference, we completely control. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, it seems like ESPN's in a great position.
1: A quick word about our partners at Ticket Smarter. Are you getting ready for the stretch run in college basketball? Are you getting ready for conference tournaments all over the place? Uh, whether that's the Big East tournament in New York, whether that's the SEC tournament in Nashville, whether that's the Big Ten tournament traditionally. Uh, in Indianapolis, whether that is the Big 12 traditionally in uh, Kansas City, whether it's the Pac-12, which is now in Las Vegas, or the West Coast Conference every year in Las Vegas, or the Mountain West that's every year in Las Vegas. All these different leagues, conference tournaments, trying to get tickets, trying to go to the games, use our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We want to make it worth your while too. We want to give you a discount with our promo code. Use hoops23 and take $10 off your order. Whatever that ticket order is, there's no minimum spend right now. If you're getting tickets, use our promo code on Ticket Smarter's mobile app or the Ticket Smarter uh, website, ticketsmarter.com. Check out the selection and all these different sites, all the biggest games down the stretch of the season, too, in the regular season, and even once we get to NCAA tournament time. Use Hoops 23 on the checkout. Get 10 bucks off your order right now with Ticket Smarter. They are intertwined all over the place with college sports, with college basketball, with conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And again, great ticket selection. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Utilize Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember our promo code, Hoops23, gets $10 off your order. Take advantage of it. Think smarter, Ticket Smarter. Yep, and again, the Big Ten now—that's uh, just interesting. The Big Ten no longer uh, available to ESPN, so might wow. that height? I don't know. And we're not done, and you know this, Brian. We're not done. You're out in you're out in California. Uh, the 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 craziest thing for the Pac-12. Give me a thought. Is the is the Pac-12 still here two years from now? Should What's your quick read? Two two, two what, years. Do we look at what app the Pac-12 is going to be on? Pluto <laughs> TV available? Are they on the CW in a doubleheader with Live Golf? <laughs> for a 0.07 rating i don't
2: see a way out of this you know especially if the tv deals that they are kicking around right now i mean what what what's the best case scenario that's on the table for them right now streaming streaming service right oh and that just that ain't gonna do it you know streaming only is not gonna do it in in 2023 right we know that's where the world's going but you have to have a linear option right now and i just don't think the idea that all Pac-12 football would be on streaming is crazy to me. That's like, you know, that's MLS right now. No offense to MLS, right? But Pac-12 football feels like it should be in a different place. I don't know. I would say, I would bet against the conference being together, at least in its current form. There may be something called the Pac-12, but will it involve Oregon, Stanford, Washington? I don't know. I don't think so. The two
1: Arizona schools, Colorado, Colorado. They would, go, they would go regionally into the Big 12 just as easily. I don't know.
2: Absolutely. I don't
1: know if they will exist. One more, because you've been most gracious with your time. Tim McCarver, you are with a Memphian. I was born there uh, little early formative years. I eventually went back to school there. I uh, have great affinity for Memphis and Tim McCarver, long before all of Major League Baseball in the country knew about him as a St. Louis Cardinal, was a Memphian. So I have much love. I used to go to games, Brian, at Tim McCarver Stadium in Memphis to watch the Memphis Blues, before they were the Memphis Chicks, uh, play at Tim McCarver Stadium in Memphis. We cannot overstate. The impact that McCarver as an analyst had for the better part of 30 years on multiple networks. The floor is yours, please.
2: All four networks. You know, he pulled
1: the full John
2: Madden off, right? And he was the lead. He did the World Series for four networks, which is something that we should just, you know, try to wrap. Or at least three out of four, right? Did he do? I don't think he did an NBC World Series. But he, he, he ran the table. So, um, it's interesting when I, when I thought of him the other day, when he passed away, it was a little bit like I thought of Billy Packer of CBS, Mm -hmm. a very different style of broadcasting, right? An age in broadcasting where you could be much more critical on a network call. You really don't hear that in any sport anymore. It's much more about praising the people on the screen. McCarver was happy to criticize. That was part of the reason he became a big star in the eighties, not only his baseball acumen but his ability to just his willingness to just be like well (laughs) they they shouldn't do this he always said I first guess I don't second guess I want to go out there and tell them why this is a bad idea before the thing happens before the pitching change before whatever it is so yeah I mean just to me he belongs and I say this as a compliment to a different age of broadcasting where those guys were bigger than they almost bigger than they are now certainly in baseball. And where the approach to calling a game was just different. You know, it really does line up with Billy Packer and Madden to an extent, where it was like, you know, I'm just going to go out here and I'm just not going to worry about pissing people off. You know, (laughs) there will be people watching this who can be really angry at me. Okay. You know, I don't get that Tony Romo is thinking that. I don't think he's like, oh, I'm going to go piss people off. I don't really think Chris Collinsworth is thinking that. I don't think guys think like that anymore. I think it's a very different age with social media. But Carver also, you know, when he gets into the 21st century and social media is there and people are like, eh, you know, he blasted into an age a little bit where he was getting pelted. But a very, very interesting broadcaster and, and certainly one of the best, probably the best of my lifetime to do baseball.
1: And an honorable guy in a lot of regards. Uh, Joe Buck talks a bunch about how he basically carried uh, Joe for the first couple of years doing the World Series, as Joe said uh in and around this uh news of Tim McCarver's passing and Tim had been ill for really about a year now uh that hey, I owe everything to him legitimizing me and helping me as a 26 year old doing the World Series uh to, to get ingrained in the late 90s to doing the World Series. And they did, I believe 17 or 18 of them together, not all in a row, but the like the last 15 or 16 they did in a row on Fox. Um, and McCarver became synonymous with the postseason, the same way Packer became synonymous with the Final Four. Packer would go after the officials. We keep talking oh, about this that on these podcasts, are. he would go after the officials like he was uh, outraged and insulted that they would make that kind of call, or almost half jokingly, like he had you know money on one side or the other. He would be like a fan going after the refs at it times. Uh, oh, and, the NCAA
2: and, Tournament Seeding Committee. You know, remember that? <laughs> yes. On Election Sunday, he'd be yes. all over those guys.
1: About how but bad it was, yes. The Buck McCarver thing
2: that's fascinating to me is on CBS, Tim McCarver did the World Series twice with Jack Buck. Right. And they did not get along at all. I mean, it was not a happy pairing. Jack Buck's written about this. Joe's talked about this a lot. Well, a couple of years later, guess what? He's on Fox and he's doing the World Series with Joe Buck. And Joe's talked about how they like basically got together and had this conversation initiated by Joe like, hey, you did not get along with my dad, but we got to do this together. We have to reset this right now. And as you say, they do 17 of them and get along smashingly well. It's, it's just an amazing story. Cash. I'm downloading the
0: upside app. Now
2: download the free upside app. Now to earn real cash back. Every time you buy gas, use promo code car for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime, right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free upside app and use promo code car for a 25 cents a
1: gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code car. Uh, and in McCarver's case, I'll fascinate you. And I think you, you might remember in all the chronology, Uh, They were all set to have Brent Musburger call the games with McCarver and, and Musburger did not agree to whatever they had in front of him. And they fired him or let the contract expire at the final four in 1990. And I do, and I do believe in 1990, right after that, he was to have been doing in April a national game of the week with Tim McCarver. And suddenly it was okay, Jack, Jack Buck, <laughs> we need you, babe, with Tim McCarver uh, yep. on that. So, exactly man, right. are we get on, uh, man. are we are we talking about thirty three years ago? I'm not. I mean, I don't want to accept that that we're talking about 33 years ago that that happened no, with Musburger at the Final Four and CBS getting baseball for a few years. That makes me feel old.
2: Certain, <laughs> not not everything makes me feel old, but Brent leaving CBS 33 years ago that makes me feel old.
1: That's uh, yeah, and it, and it became like the story at the Final Four that this is oh. it for Brent Musburger, and everybody thought it was April Fool's because it was on April 1st. I mean, the semifinal games this year, are April 1st, it was April Fool's Day for uh Duke UNLV, and the news was out everywhere. This is it for Brent Musburger on CBS. How crazy. I went
2: back and looked that up recently. Looked at some old newspapers, and it literally was playing on the front pages of newspapers above stories about like the fall of communism in 1990. You know I mean, that that's how big Brent leaving CBS was.
1: That is a great line from Brian Curtis. I think we need to leave it right there because you've been most gracious with your time to hang here with me. Again, I plug away. Follow him at Brian Curtis on social media with a Y. Follow him at The Ringer, and The Ringer podcast for sports media is The Press Box. Anything else I left out? Any closing comments? Any shots you need to take at me for any reason at this point? Anything else?
2: No shots at all. I appreciate you having me on. This was hugely fun.
1: Uh, I enjoyed it, and I I pledge that if you need me for any reason, uh, for whatever it is, because I'm full of stories, I'm full of something, I'm happy to come on and help uh, from being in and around this business. You and I are a lot alike. Uh, You're a contemporary of mine. We enjoy a lot of the same stuff with sports media, et cetera, so this was fun for me as well. I, uh, I say to you, I owe you one, so whatever you need from me, let me know. Thank you, Brian Curtis. Fantastic. Thank you, TJ, so much. Great stuff. Enjoyed talking with Brian. And again, uh, find him through the ringer with the Press Box podcast. We have one thing left to do on the last word on Sports Media Podcast, and let's do it right now. Love it or leave it. We shall begin with the XFL. And obviously, this is the third incarnation of the Spring Football League that was first tried in 2001 by Vince McMahon and NBC and their other TV partners and went away after one year. They tried it again coming back in 2020 uh, to have sliding television ratings with McMahon losing tens of millions of dollars. And then the COVID-19 craziness took over and they ceased in the middle of that season. This is the third incarnation with Dwayne, the rock Johnson, the former wrestler, the former, uh, well, the former university of Miami football player, and now a big time Hollywood star living out, the real life uh, fantasy of ballers, the movie where like it was a whole crusade through that TV show, that fictitious show to organize the players and have the, have the players get better money and better benefits and everything. And so now a uh, life imitating art with him running the XFL with his ex wife and in an investment group. Well, uh, speaking of leave it, the audience is definitely leaving it alone. In fact, the XFL's numbers which were not good in week one to begin with. They lost half the audience from a bad week one, uh, as it was. The uh, the second week with 665,000 viewers on average on the two uh, ESPN platforms, that's down from the 1.3 million on the opening week. Horrifically for the whole spring football argument, is that when the XFL uh, second incarnation in 2020, when their numbers dipped into week two, they were still at over 2.1 million people. These numbers, again, from uh, Show Buzz Daily and from uh, John Lewis's sportsmediawatch.com. Uh, again, the XFL second week 2020 had 2.1 million viewers. Uh, second week 2023, 655,000 on average. That is staggeringly bad with the lost audience. And what it, what it pretty much says is that spring football has run its course. I know the United States Football League is being reincarnated by Fox, but this is going to be the same thing again. I know they're not playing until April, but we've now seen a large enough sample size between the Alliance of American Football trying to make a go of it back in, what, 2019 and having to cease operations before they got to the end of their first regular season because they ran out of money. And those numbers were sliding from the second and third week on. But again, that was a different time where sliding meant you still were getting a million and a half or two million people to watch. I mean, when you're talking about 600,000 people watching football uh, in the present day, uh, that's not good. And the USFL numbers were not very good a year ago either. Uh, so I don't I don't know what holds out any hope. I mean like last year's XFL again referencing John's sportsmediawatch.com story last year's USFL ratings. Spring League minor league football if you will uh, had two games on broadcast TV and those both got around the same audience around 600,000 a year ago. This is the audience. It's not even close to a million people that are watching I I know there are degenerate gamblers who are watching. There are friends and family of the players who are watching. It is football, but like college basketball coming up in March in particular is going to destroy this. The college, the NCAA tournament games are going to have on the Saturday and the Sunday, not even in in primetime. I'm talking about during the daytime, 3 million, 5 million, depending on when Duke is playing, depending on when Kansas is playing, the brand names that are of the sport, North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, when they're playing, and then the primetime games, uh, as the drama builds, are going to get $6 million, $8 million, and then you get to the second weekend, and the primetime games, when it all dwindles down, are going to have 10000000 million, 12 million. You're talking about spring league football not even having a million people to watch it? Good luck with that. So the audience, by and large, has played Leave It so far uh, for that. Let's continue. Love it or leave it. Let's go positive in things that the audience is loving. Like last week, the Lakers' big comeback win over the Dallas Mavericks in the Sunday afternoon. You know, the traditional for the last 40 years Sunday afternoon NBA game seems to grow, especially in the second half of the season. And again, everything has taken a hit. The NBA's audience has even taken a hit. Still, though, three and a half million people watching LeBron and the Lakers come back from 20-plus down to beat the Mavericks. Of course, LeBron is now hurt and out significant time with an ankle injury. The Saturday night primetime Boston-Philadelphia game got just over two million uh, viewers. But Sunday afternoon, three and a half million is solid again for that we were talking earlier about the live golf and the disastrous ratings on the cw network the honda classic not not much better by pga tour standards nbc running that on sunday saw 2.3 million people which that seems like a lot but right now even without tiger woods when some of the bigger names are there it's at least three million or more this this field in uh, West Palm Beach at Jack Nicholas's course, did only had one of the top 50 players in the world. No Tiger, no Rory, no Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, any of the big names, and obviously some of the bigger names have also defected to live golf. They will play the Bay Hill Invitational this week with some of the bigger names being there this weekend, so the numbers should pop back up over 3 million, depending on if it's a close finish. John Rahm has been dominating as of late, but if you get a Rory McIlroy in the mix or a Justin Thomas or a Jordan Speeth, in the mix the household names with rom probably going to be three three and a half million people to watch that uh, coming for this weekend by the way in the college hoop world just as a uh, reference point on some of these games uh, the top college game from last week was the Virginia north carolina game at 1.9 million saturday night in the early evening on espn Uh, if you're wondering if kentucky translate kentucky translates Saturday afternoon, uh, their game got uh, 1.7 million uh, to watch. In that instance, uh, for Kentucky and Auburn, and on Sunday afternoon, leading into golf, uh, leading into other coverage. Well, actually, it was all basketball on Sunday for CBS. Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan drew 1.6 million. In that one, Fox also had the primetime game for college basketball, Indiana at Purdue, drawing 1.7 million. But again, those numbers will get bigger, obviously, when the NCAA tournament starts playing. So uh, let's see on the television audience if that number doesn't become for Saturday afternoon NCAA tournament, Saturday night NCAA tournament, 5 million, 6 million, 7 million watching. And when you get to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend in primetime, primetime on Saturday night and Sunday night, you're going to see that number become $10 million, $12 million with more interest, particularly, again, if the likes of Duke and Kansas and UCLA, the brand names like North Carolina, Kentucky. Kentucky, not as good a team, not as dominant a team. Obviously, they had an unbeaten season back in 2015 rolling, and the ratings were massive. Well, let's see if college basketball doesn't pick up. All right, uh, a little more. Love it or leave it. Spring training, baseball underway with all the different games. I again continue to lament all of these regional sports network games that the tens of millions of sports fans aren't seeing the MLB, NBA, and NHL teams on those RSNs. and we keep reading about and hearing about the bankruptcy proceedings for Sinclair and the subsidiary uh, of the subsidiary uh, that's down below it. What is it, Diamond Sports, uh, that has these regional sports networks, they're branded as Bally's. Bally's, again, doesn't own them. Bally's has an agreement to, to have their naming rights to them. But if these things are going out of business, I, I'm almost going to laud that to have another way to watch the games. Because right now, for those that have things like Hulu, YouTube TV, you're struggling to find any of these regional sports networks that have your games, uh, even in the in, in the local market. It's crazy. So I'm a big leave it right now on the RSNs and what little uh, audience they're able to draw. I know the teams uh, thought, the leagues thought, the uh, NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, that these were going to be situations that were going to grow, worth hundreds of millions of dollars to the teams. Now it looks like it's all going to dissolve and disintegrate, and I say it cannot happen uh, soon enough. Let's hope uh, Let's hope that we get back to being able to see the games more regularly, more frequently, streaming or otherwise available to you. Uh, I mean, for example, again, the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of the best teams in the NHL, and, and I can't see 80%, 85% of their games that aren't on national TV because the regional outlet, the Bally's outlet in Florida, isn't on Hulu, isn't on YouTube TV, isn't on, on a lot of places. To even be able to see it in the local market, it's crazy. It is crazy. All right. uh, With that, I think we are done and we are good with the latest edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast here. Thanks again to Brian Curtis of the Press Box on The Ringer and Ringer.com and their uh, podcast coverage. That's out there a couple of days a week from Brian. Love his insight. Uh, They talk sports, they talk pop culture, they even talk some politics on the press box as well. And we covered a lot of ground with him today here on the show. want to plug, uh, speaking of of love it or leave it, just one more thing. I love the conference championship games, and I will get the privilege of working uh, two of those before we're back on this podcast. That is the Big South championship game coming Sunday out of Charlotte, North Carolina, on TuneIn and National Digital Radio We'll broadcast that championship game, which features the likes of UNC Asheville, Winthrop, Radford, kind of the mid-Atlantic states of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Campbell, High Point. These are the teams, Gardner-Webb, that are involved in that one-bid league. Asheville's had a tremendous regular season. They dominated the regular season. They've got a seven-foot NBA prospect in Drew Pember. Will they even make the championship game on Sunday in Charlotte? We'll find out. We'll broadcast it live for an automatic bid of the NCAA tournament. It's always special in these smaller schools, smaller conferences to have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. We'll have that live Sunday afternoon on TuneIn and their premium service. Search it out. College basketball, coast to coast is the channel. Just look under college sports and college basketball for TuneIn and we'll look at what happens with that one. And before we're back, on the podcast next week, I'll be in Indianapolis for the Horizon League title game. Tuesday night, automatic bid. These are upper Midwestern teams like Youngstown State, uh, Detroit, uh, uh, the Robert Morris, Northern Kentucky, Cleveland State. These are the teams that are involved in that league. Wright State. Uh, Wright State came from 16 down a year ago to win the championship game get the automatic bid and then they won a first four game in Dayton as a 16 seed so that is Tuesday night 7 eastern time national digital radio on tune in I will be on the call again from Indianapolis of the Horizon League championship game somebody goes to the NCAA tournament next Tuesday night all right uh, so there you go that's a full show here on this edition of the program we'll come back next week in the month of March, with all the madness and the mayhem going on. Again, find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and follow or subscribe. George Offman, another reminder with Joe Madden this week on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Joe Madden telling stories about winning the World Series with the Chicago Cubs. That is the most recent podcast just before this one on the feed. Mike Gill, Phil DeMont are on this same podcast feed, Last Word on Sports Media, coming later in the week, talking announcers and announcer schedules, who's doing it well with the best uh, announcers in the booth nationally, radio and TV, previewing all the March Madness, talking about the start of baseball and everything else that's going on with Mike and Phil on this podcast feed. Also, you can find out more about us, lastwordonsports.com slash podcast, thank uh, Mike Kovacs and everybody that's involved with Last Word on Sports partnering up with us on the podcast feed, lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. For now, we are good. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me here on the Last Word on
0: Sports media podcast.